This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning. A little louder. Good morning. Good morning. There you are. It's a nice wintry morning, don't you think? Yeah, nice and chilly, but it's nice and warm in here. I want to say welcome. Uh, for those of you who come here all the time, I want to say welcome to you. I never get tired of seeing your face. I never get tired of uh, receiving a hug from you, giving a hug to you, and I certainly never get tired of sharing life with you. So if you're one of those people that comes here every Sunday, uh, I hope you feel special because you are. For those of you who are here, maybe you've come once or twice before and you came back. I want to say welcome back. You know what that means? It means that God probably has a purpose in your life for being here. You know, if you come once and, eh, that's no big deal. Well, then maybe God's not in that for you. But if you come and then you come back again, it means that God's starting to do something in your life. And it might even mean at some point that he would want this to be your church home. And I would certainly hope so. That would be, uh, I think it would be good for you and I know it would be good for us. And, and yet I know when you walk into a place like this and there's a few hundred people around and you realize there's another whole service with a few hundred more people, it's, it's really easy. Um, my mind kind of goes back to the merry-go-round when I was a kid on the playground. And you walk up and if the merry-go-round is whizzing, right, you'd really like to get on, but that's a little tough. And you keep begging for them to slow it down so you can get on. But, of course, the kids on the merry-go-round, that's the last thing they want to do, right? And so you can find yourself on the outside looking in and say, how do I get on that thing? And so I want to give you a wonderful way to, to sort of jump on the merry-go-round of what God's doing in this church. And that is, in our lobby, you will find a table that, that has first serve and life groups on it. You know... What you see on Sunday morning, what you hear in the worship team, and what you're going to hear as I teach you this morning, it's kind of like the skin of the church. It's the first thing that people identify with new life. It's, it's what we're kind of known for around town, and that's all good stuff. But you know, a body that has skin and no bones probably is going to work very well, right? Those of you who were uh, Gary Larson, Farside fans, you remember the boneless chicken ranch? Yeah, all right. I won't explain it for the rest of you. It wouldn't make any sense anyway. But the skin of the church is what you experienced this morning. But the real structure of this church, the skeleton, the bones, what everything hangs on is really our life groups. And so that's the best, easiest, and fastest way for you to jump on what God's doing in this church. So I have a project for you this week. I want you to stop by the life group table. I want you to pick up a life group catalog. And then I want you to select a life group that you can go to either this week or next week. And that's the easiest way to jump in and test the waters. You may have to go to a life group or two before you find one that's dialed into who you are and what God's doing in your life right now. But I can tell you that once you get on board that, you'll come by and you'll say, Pastor, I don't know how I got along without life groups before. And uh, so I want to encourage you to do that. And then for those of you who are here for the very first time this morning, I want to say a special welcome to you. Um, 
This is a church where we connect with God. You've already figured that out. This is a church where we study from God's Word and and we get uh, wonderful Bible-centered teaching every single week. And I want you to know that God offers you a life at a dimension you cannot get through purely human effort. And so that's what we work on every week. And uh, so if you will open your programs and pull out uh, the fill-in-the-blank sermon notes, grab the pencil from the, from the back of the chair in front of you, um, we're going to jump in. Now, first thing I want to do is give you a little recap. We're in the middle of a series of sermons called Good News in Tough Times. And the sermons are all taken out of the first chapter of a book in the Bible called First Peter. This particular portion of the Bible was written to a group of people who, who were undergoing physical persecution for their faith. That means real people were being arrested at church. Real people were being thrown in prison. Real people were having their children taken from them and sold into slavery purely and simply because the kids were at church. Real people were actually being martyred for their faith. The family would come to church all as a family unit and, and the authorities would bust the church service. They would kidnap the kids, sell them into slavery. They would sell the wife to be a servant in somebody's home. They would take the husband and put him in prison or kill him. No more family. Gone. Some of those people never, ever saw their children ever again. You know, it's one thing for you and me to talk about, quote, the persecuted church. What's another thing to stop and walk in their shoes for a little while? That's pretty tough. So Peter writes to them and recognizes that they've got very real problems. But he says, I've got some good news for you. And I want you to understand this. You can write it down in your notes. There's no blank in there, but you can write it in the margin somewhere. And that is when God gives good news, it doesn't change with the times. In other words, you know... Your broker can give you good news today and bad news tomorrow, correct? We've all been through that, okay? Your employer can give you good news today and bad news tomorrow. But God doesn't do that sort of thing. God says, I've got some good news, and it's news that will enable you to experience fullness of life when on its own, life seems pretty empty. And that's what we're talking about. Now, I can tell you that fullness of life during tough times, does that come naturally? What do you think? No, it doesn't come naturally. Does it come easily? No, it doesn't come easily. But God wants you to know it's possible. In fact, that's what He wants for you. But if that's going to be the case in your life and in mine, it means that you and I have to make some very deliberate choices. We have to choose a particular mindset And we have to choose particular behaviors and attitudes. And these are not mindsets that are natural and they're not behaviors and attitudes that come easily. But they are available to all of us. And so Peter's going to address that this morning. Let's go straight to our focus scripture and here it is. So then, have your minds ready for action. Keep alert 
Set your hope completely on the blessing which will be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Be obedient to God. And do not allow your lives to be shaped by those desires you had when you were still ignorant. In other words, when this was before you heard the truth about life and the truth about God. Instead, be holy in all that you do, just as God who called you is holy. The Scripture says, be holy because I am holy. In that passage, Peter is going to tell us three things to do, one thing not to do, and he's going to give us the result if we do the three things and we don't do the one. So let's take a look at those main concepts. And the first to do, to do number one is this. Have your minds ready for action. Keep alert. You know, when tough times hit, there's typically kind of three categories of people. There's the first category of people and they say, it's my fate. As nothing I can do, I just roll over and take it and hope I can ride it out. And when the storm is done, I'll feel better again. But, you know, I guess it's just my lot in life. And so they don't do anything. They don't, they don't make any special precautions or anything. They just kind of, oh, well, that's life. The second group of people are a little bit more interesting than that. I call them the party in a foxhole people. When tough times hit, they just kind of pretend like it didn't. And they think, I'll entertain myself through this. And so when tough times hit financially, they go shopping. That's not so funny, is it? (laughs) Because we've probably all been there, right? Yeah, it's... And yet there are many, many people that somehow, if I don't ever force myself to face the truth about what's happening, it's the sort of ignorance is bliss mentality. And when you say tough times, they go, what tough times? I have decided I am not going to participate in the tough times. Well, good for you. (laughs) But it's a reality of life. Okay? The third thing, and it's what, it's what God calls us to, is this. Peter wants us to know very clearly that tough times call for two things. And here they are. The first thing is they call for special attention and specific action. And that's what God wants us to do even with the tough times today. Why? Well, for instance, in the special attention category... One of the things that I do uh, is work with uh, local policemen in our town. I'm a volunteer chaplain, and I do ride-alongs. And and, uh, in doing that, I've I've kind of gotten to know um, not only the local law enforcement, but I've gotten to know a little bit of their mindset. And I realize that whenever a cop puts on his uniform and goes to work, that he always takes or she takes the awareness and the alertness dial in their life, and they crank it way up. Because they realize that they only have to have one lapse in awareness, and they don't go home. So they have this state of hyper-alertness. 
I, I wasn't really familiar with that till the first time I did a ride along and I was riding with a cop and, and he goes, did you see that guy run that light? I'm just eh, looking out the window. You know, there's no special alertness in me. And by the end of that evening, I realized that as that cop was driving his cruiser wherever he was going, he was fully aware of all the pedestrians on the sidewalk, fully aware of every car that was pulling up to a light, not only aware that that the cars were going to stop, but was aware of what kind of car it was, was aware of what kind of person might be driving that car, was aware of the bicyclist, had the alert dial cranked up. Wow. So I asked him about it. You know what he said? I got a wife and kids. I want to go home. And I realize that the bad guys are always aware. My only hope of going home is to be at least as aware as the bad guys are. Wow. Tough times call for special attention. The second thing that tough times call for is specific action. Very important. You know, usually in tough times, I want you to hear this, usually there are specific things that you and I can do that will limit whatever damage tough times may do in our lives. There's an old saying that goes, to be forewarned is to be what? Yeah, nobody under 50 knows the rest of that. To be forewarned is to be forearmed. In other words, when you see danger coming, it's time for you to take some specific action because usually you can take some action that will either protect you altogether from the damage or it will limit the damage that happens in your life. Or listen to this. It's entirely possible that often in tough times you can take specific action that will actually move you ahead and counter to the flow. In every tough time, there are people who actually make progress. Did you know that? Well, I'd love to be one of those. But it calls for specific action for us to do that. Now let's go to the second thing that Peter says we must do. We must set our hope completely on the blessing. I want to give you right away the application of this because this is something I know that many of us in the audience struggle with. And that is this. We need to be aware of the negative things that are happening around us, but we cannot allow them to capture our heart and mind. You know, in tough times, it's easy to identify problems, right? And if we sit around and we think about all the problems and all the possible negative things that could happen, we can just spiral and go down and down. Have you been there? I had that tested in my life just this week. I mean, big time. And God said to me, Ron, in the toughest of times, you still have things to be thankful for. Everybody has two lists every morning that they wake up. You have a list of all the reasons to think about problems and things that will take you down. And you have a list of things that are things that you should be grateful for, that you've been blessed with. And you get to decide which one of those is going to capture your attention for the day. Now, don't be blissfully ignorant of the first list. But don't let it capture your heart 
and your attention. Because if it does, tough times will be very hard for you. And they'll be hard on you. And the damage that they do in your life will be magnified because you have given your mind over to the tough times instead of the God of the tough times. It's a big difference. So what does Peter say? I want you to go back and read it. Okay? Let's go back one screen. And I want you to read this out loud, if you would, with me, please. Ready? At the top. Set your hope completely on the blessing. Let's read it again. Okay? Ready? Set your hope completely on the blessing. That's huge. Let's go to point number three. Here's the third thing that Peter says in tough times. Be obedient to God. What do you mean, be obedient to God? Well, let's take a look at the application. Trusting God's direction and following them takes us on the only path to victory and strength. Trusting God's directions. You know what the tendency is when tough times hit? I'll tell you what it is. I'll spell it out for you. P-A-N-I-C. Right? Panic. And you know what happens when we panic? Yeah. Well, when we panic, we don't trust. Isn't that true? Well, we're full-scale panic. We don't trust anybody. So then what happens? We reach out and we will control it ourselves. And when we control it ourselves, we've got serious problems, which we're going to get to in a minute. And that's why oftentimes in tough times, They do one of two things for all of us. Tough times, if we if we get on the if we handle them correctly, we draw near to God and trust Him more, and tough times call for greater faith and greater trust and greater obedience. And if we if we make that choice, we come out the other side of tough times better, stronger, more faithful people. But if we allow tough times to come between us and God, and we panic, and we take matters into our own hands, and we sort of forget what God says, and I'm going to do what I think is right, I'm going to do what I think is best, or worse yet, I'm going to do what comes natural to me, then what happens is they drive us away from God. And you know what we usually get? Bigger problems. Bigger problems. So what does Peter say? There it is. Be obedient to God. Four simple words which we're going to come back to at the very end. They are wonderful. It's the only path that leads to victory and strength. And so Peter says, I want you to be alerted. I want you to be unaware of this. Be on your guard and dial up the awareness, but also dial up the obedience dial. Because obedience to God in tough times is crucial. And let's go to the one thing he says not to do. Because it's equally important. And the one thing he says not to do is this. Do not allow your lives to be shaped by those desires. And then he gives a big long description. What are those desires? The desires that you lived by prior to becoming a Christian. 
Now, why would he say that? Well, I want you to see what the application is because the application is extremely important. Tough times heighten our temptation to revert to old behaviors. Do you agree with that? Friends, that's huge. Tough times heighten our temptation to revert to old behaviors. You go to church, you hear a sermon on parenting, you come out of that sermon and you say, with God's help and by God's grace, I will never scream at my kids again. And then tough times hit as you're trying to get the kids ready for school on Monday morning. And what do you revert to? It's so easy. Now, here's what I want you to know. The reason that tough times do that is because our old behaviors are our natural behaviors. Did you have to work to have those old behaviors? Yeah, you just had them. You either inherited them from your parents or you learned them from your parents or they were kind of bred in the bone or whatever else. You didn't have to work. No matter how dysfunctional and destructive they were, they were natural. And they, they were all you knew and they were what came easy. Now the Spirit of God comes into your life and says, Are you tired of that? Yep, I am. And the Spirit of God says, I will deliver you from that a step at a time. And we start journeying out of those old behaviors and it feels good. But when pressure hits and we begin to panic, guess what happens? It's the the time at which we are most vulnerable to our old behaviors. Now listen, friends, I want you to understand this. If there's anything worse than tough times... It's tough times that are overlaid with destructive and dysfunctional behavior. Would you agree with that? Yeah, that's like putting fuel on the fire. It doesn't get better. It only gets worse. So Peter says, do not allow your lives to be shaped by what is natural to you. The desires you used to live in. Wow. Now, if we will do those three things, if if we will dial up the awareness needle and, and, and we will be obedient to God, we'll do the things that we've just talked about, then the last thing that Peter addresses is a very interesting thing that unfortunately I think seldom really gets talked about at church. And that is this. The result is we will be holy. I want you to understand something about holiness. And, but before I tell you this, I want, I want you to know that I know this by experience. And I think intuitively, you're going to know it by experience as well. And here's the application. Holiness empowers and lifts our human spirit. Now, there's a very, very specific reason why. The Bible clearly says that you and I were created in God's image. In other words, we were created to behave and respond and live as God does. And is God holy? Absolutely. He's perfectly holy. In fact, that's the very end of our passage says, God says what? Be holy because... 
I am holy. Wow. Let's take the opposite of holiness for a minute. And that's unholiness or unrighteousness. You know, when we choose to sin, sin always comes with some buddies. Okay? The first buddy that sin comes with is guilt. Are you familiar with him? Yeah. Guilt travel heavy or travel light? And the longer you carry it, the what? Heavier it gets. Okay? So sin always brings his buddy guilt, and guilt always brings his buddy regret. Is regret heavy or light to carry? Heavy, isn't it? Yeah. And regret always brings his buddy fear. Because when I'm sinning, and I feel guilty, and I have regret, I'm afraid of how life is going to turn out. And everything that turns bad in my life, you know what I'm thinking? It's my fault. I certainly don't deserve better. Is this retribution? Am I the only one who ever has those thoughts? We all have them, don't we? Yeah. But you know the opposite of sin is holiness. And God says, oh man, you want to know why you feel good when you decide to do what's right and not compromise on anything? When you decide to choose purity in everything and you decide to choose honesty in everything and you decide to choose integrity in everything and you decide to choose uh, all of the things in life that are good. You, you always choose love and never choose hatred. And you always choose all these things that God has called us to. God says the reason those all feel good is because when you choose those, you are choosing to be the most like me. Wow. And when I choose to be the most like God, and I was created in His image, does that not add up that that probably makes me feel good? Because I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm doing what I was created to do. I'm doing what lifts my spirit to the highest possible place. And friends, that's our challenge for this morning. I want to pray a prayer. Would you bow with me, Father? I want to pray a special prayer this morning for those who just haven't been alert. They're the party in the foxhole kind of people. They're the, you know, I just roll over and take it. It's no big deal. It wouldn't, whatever I did wouldn't make any difference anyway. God, would you call them to a level of awareness of special attention and specific action so that they might even move forward in tough times? And Lord, I pray for those who are struggling to focus on the blessing. And it's just so easy for them to get in the downward spiral and to forget even the good things that still remain in their life and to focus on the job that they have lost or the house that they may lose or, or a loved one who has, who has left this world or, or, or a divorce that's going on in their life. Or God, whatever the tough time might be, God, would you help them to set their mind and their heart completely on the blessing that still remains. 
And Lord, I pray for those who are struggling to trust you and are tempting to take matters into their own hands and, 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 the, and the temptation to resort and to revert to old behaviors. Father, some in our audience, many in our audience have come out of addiction. God, would you help us not to go back into it, even if it's a sort of unconfessed addiction that might be something like yelling at our kids or controlling our husband or wife or whatever it might be. God, would you help us not to revert back to old behaviors? And Lord, I pray for, I pray for repentance. I pray for forgiveness. I pray for real life change. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. Amen. I have something special I want to do with you. You thought, man, that was short. We're getting out of here in a hurry, right? I have something special I want to do with you. And so uh, if you would be kind enough to indulge me for another 10 or 15 minutes, um, I want to give you a congregational application of the truth that we just taught this morning. Okay? Everything I've said to you so far has been about you applying this truth in your life personally, and I don't want, I'm, I don't want what I'm going to say in the next 15 minutes to any way diminish from that. But I want to talk about a very specific congregational application of this particular passage. This morning we all sit in a building that's a beautiful building. Don't you agree? Uh, we are so blessed. And those of you who have been with New Life from uh, 11 years ago, from the very beginning, uh, you remember countless days of setting up and tearing down and carrying and doing all the stuff that we did for many, many years. And uh, so we're blessed. And we sit in a building where I, it's no stretch to say that virtually every day people's lives are changed in this building. It's walking through the lobby uh, a couple of days this week on, on different occasions. And it was just in the middle of the work week and I was passing by the prayer room and I thought, oh my goodness, someone left the light on in there. And I went to turn it off and no, there was someone who was in there praying. And someone was in there seeking after God and just, just drawing near to God. And, and um, every Sunday, just last Sunday, as I was praying through the prayer requests, there were at least three people in our audience last Sunday who made decisions to accept Christ during church. And that happens week after week after week. And so um, we've been blessed with the building. And I, if you were around for the whole process, you know that there were some... God did some things that could only be realistically described as miracles. And don't have time to go into all those this morning, but uh, uh, those, those uh, miracles were just wonderful. And we've been blessed with this building. But it does come with a challenge or two. And many of you got letters this week. And so I'm going to lay out that challenge a little bit more clearly. And for those of you who are here for the first or second time, I'm going to try to say it in language you can all understand as well. Um, the, the challenge is this. Um, this building comes with a cost associated with it. And I have this morning some good news and, and uh, some, well, not so good news. I say tough times, okay? Um, the miracles that God has provided for us. Your parents ever tell you, my dad used to say, Ron, money doesn't grow on trees. Any of you have parents that said that to you, right? What was the other thing? Money doesn't fall from the... You know, the miracles that God has provided for us, they've been wonderful. But so far, no money trees and no money falling from the sky. And in fact, 
God hasn't even provided for this church in the way he has for some other churches. And that is with, a, if I say sugar daddy gift, does that make any sense to you? Okay. I don't mean anything bad by that, all right? But um, I know some churches that uh, somebody just pointed up and said, church needs a million bucks, here it is. Um, now, I would be lying to you if I didn't tell you that there were times when I'd be fine with that. Um, but you know how God has supplied for this church? And it's really part of the heartbeat of this church. God has always supplied for this church through regular people like you and me. People who don't necessarily have really deep pockets. But you know what we do have? we got lots of pockets. Yeah, and that's how God has always supplied for the church. And so let me give you just a little bit of a history. But before I do that, I want you to know, and many of you know that the sermons um, that are delivered here every Sunday... I didn't get that sermon last night or Friday night or Thursday night or even Monday or Tuesday. But God gives the sermons for this church six months ahead of time uh, most of the time. And so six months ago when I was fasting and praying and saying, God, you know, this is your church. What do you want us to talk about on November the 15th? Um, I had no clue where we would be as a church. I had no clue what would be needed in the church. But I'm blown away Sunday after Sunday that God knows exactly what we need. And as I unfold this a little bit for us this morning, I want you to know God couldn't have picked a better passage for us on this Sunday morning than the passage he picked. And so let's take a look at the, at the, the good news, and I'll also take a look at the tough times. We'll start, out with, we'll start out with the tough times, because it's always easier to get the bad news than it is the good news, right? No, no. It's better to get the bad news first than the good news. All right? So, uh, tough times. Uh, right now, this church sits about $59,000 behind on its mortgage. Now, that's a big number, isn't it? Yeah. Okay? If you got a letter this week, I think it said 36, right? Didn't it say 36? Yeah, well, a few days have gone by. All right? And uh, so, it gives you some idea. Now, uh, I'll give you one other piece of, of, of tough news, and then I'm going to give you some really good news, and, and I'm going to show you, uh, hopefully, what God's plan is. Um, uh, one other piece of good news is if you take uh, our regular giving, what uh, comes in here on a Sunday morning, and you put it together with additional income that comes from a project we did called The Great Adventure, um, it still is not enough for us to meet our regular expenses and our current mortgage. And so about now you're going, okay, so what's the good news? Because that sounds pretty tough. Um, well, let me give you the good news. The good news is, for the last two years in a row, our regular giving and tithes and offerings in this church has gone up by 24% per year. That's pretty incredible, don't you think? It's a rare, rare church or business that in the last year has grown financially 24%. Some of you would like to invest in something that did that, right? Yeah. God has been very, very good to us. And that's not just this last year. It's the last two years in a row. That's great news. I talked a little bit a while ago about the great adventure. Uh, it, was, um, 
it's a project we're still in. But we went through a period of two or three months where we invited people to become part of that project that God was doing in the church. And 60 families um, made pledges over and above their regular giving over the next three years. We added up those pledges and they were just a little over a million dollars over three years. That's also, that, that's a huge thing. That amounts to about uh, 60% of our regular giving. So you've got 100% of our regular giving and another 60% from 60 families. And that's why every couple of months when you walked in this morning, you saw the banners out in the lobby and there's a, a great adventure table and so forth. Every two months, we have a TGA Sunday, and that's to remind us to be faithful in what God has called us to. And that's a great thing. And many of us are just faithfully walking out that path, and we're being blessed as we walk out that path. And then every TGA Sunday, we also throw in something else. Why? Because the prayer we prayed is, Lord, what do you want to do through me to accomplish your will in this church and also in our community? And so every, every TGA Sunday, we have some community project. Well, this Sunday, if you, as you walked in, you probably saw a couple of big coolers there. And that's because this is also Turkey Day, all right? And uh, one of the things that we're doing, uh, headed up by Denise Redeker and her family, um, a bunch of us are bringing turkeys so that those who are homeless that, that rely on Redwood Gospel Mission for their food so that they can have a nice Thanksgiving dinner. So if you want to be part of that, stop by the TGA table. Uh, I know Monica and I brought our turkey today. We're, we're up and ready to go and excited about that. Glad that somebody's going to get to eat well besides us. And uh, so uh, I want to encourage you to be part of that. That's what TGA Sunday is today. But I want to bring you back to the point that our Regular giving and our TGA giving still is a little bit short. So I want to lay out for you a plan, and it's got um, no sense of panic. Remember, when times get tough, we don't panic. What do we do? Greater faith, greater trust, greater obedience. So here's a five-step plan that God has given to us that will help us between now and December to catch up on that 59000 and to set us in good shape for the coming year. Okay? Number one, we're going to do a 5% reduction in staff salary, okay? That's already been enacted, and that means that everybody on our staff has, has taken a voluntary 5% cut, all right? In fact, two of the staff members stepped up and said, we've prayed and God has led us to take more than that, and so they took more than a 5% cut. If you average it all together, there's a 7% average across the board cut in our staff salary. The second thing that we're going to do is this. We're going to actively pursue more community events. Uh, it's a great facility. People in our community want to use it. We've, we've, um, we've had a number of community events in here, uh, but we really feel like one of the things God is calling us to do is to have more and more events from the community in here for two reasons. Number one, we actually increase the revenue a little bit by doing that, but number two... It's great for the community to come to the church and do their community event at the church. And so we really feel like that's one of the things God is really calling us to. And it was one of the major reasons he gave us this building is so that it would bless our community. So that's number two. Number three in the plan is this. 
We're going con- to consistently be faithful in our TGA pledges. I want to talk specifically to those 60 families who have made that pledge. June, July, August, and September, we actually did really, really well. I have no idea what happened in October, but, but our, the giving to our pledges fell significantly in October. And so God is calling us, let's get back up to where we need to be. And if you're one of those families, I don't know what happened in October. I'm not up here to make you feel guilty but I do know we need to restore that up to the level where it was for those first four months. Number four is this. There are a number of you who have made annual pledges to the great adventure. In other words, you said, you know, my pledge is not going to come in week by week or month by month, but annually I will give. If you're able to give that on the front end of the year and not the back end of the year, then that would really help the church in its cash flow right now. So, And I know uh, the letter that went out, I know at least two people who have sent me an email saying, Pastor, we're on board with that. We're, we, we were an annual pledge person. We're writing out the check this week because God's blessed us. We're able to give it this week, but we're just going to do that. So that will really help us in the current time. And then number five, and this is where most of us in the audience can get involved, and uh, it's called I'm In. And as, uh, as we were praying about this, I realized that in a church that has five or 600 people who regularly attend, how many people did I say participated in the great adventure? 60, 60 families. We probably have 300 families who call New Life their church home. Okay? But I also realize that not all 300 are ready to pray and say, okay, God, um, I'm willing to give three, $400 a month. That's, that's, that, remember the merry-go-round and it's spinning a little too fast to jump on at that level? So here's what God said. Let's give people a way to jump on that's bite size. And so uh, one of his uh, plans for us is 100 to 200 people in the church who would say, I might not be able to jump in at the $500 level, but I could jump in at 50 bucks a month. Now, I know some of us are math challenged, and so I did a little, I, I did a little Starbucks math, all right? 50 bucks a month is less than $12.50 a week, right? That's two or three specialty drinks at Starbucks, maybe a couple of specialty drinks and a cinnamon roll, all right? So there you go. That's your math lesson for the, for the day. And so um, I want us to... Do we have ushers who are ready to do this? Where's Bob? Hello, Bob. I think I just heard Bob running. <laughs> Thank you. There, are they in the programs? In the program. Oh, I didn't get the memo. Thank you, Bob. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Open up your programs. On the inside of your programs, there's a card, and it says, I'm in. Do you find it? Okay. So here's what I want to do. I want to lay that challenge out for you. Some of you, God is blessed, and you can say, I'm in. I can do $50 a month. And by the way, it's only for the next 14 months because the real crucial time is the next two months and the 12 months of 2010. So it's just for 14 months. It's not for the full three years. But if, if that's something God would guide you to and lead you to, I'm praying that 100 or more people will say, I can do 50 bucks a month. I might have to work a little extra overtime. I would do that for God. So... Um, some of you, God's already blessed, and you can do two of those. 
You can do two of those. There's a box on there. For some of you, you can do a one-time gift. That's why other is on there. So I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask God to guide you while I pray, and uh, I'm going to ask that you would respond. Why? Well, I want to go back to our closing thought before I pray. And here it is. What was it? Be obedient to God. Four simple words. So as God moves, as I pray, you'll be obedient. Father, I thank you so much for every single person here. I thank you so much for this church. The the, the tough times are, are nothing new. And yet, Lord, in this church, you are doing such great things. We know you have a plan, and we know that your plan involves us. And, Father, we know that your plan in this church has always been not just one or two people stepping up with big things, but all of us getting on board and all of us saying, you know, it's my church. It's where I come. This is where you speak into my life. It's time for me to become part of that. And so, Lord, would you move in our hearts this morning? We bless and thank you for every good gift you give us. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.